Today, we are starting a brand new series uh, for the next four weeks called The Blessed Life. The Blessed Life. And it's Thanksgiving weekend. Uh, how many of you love Thanksgiving? As a show of hands, yeah. Thanksgiving is a great holiday because it's not one of those holidays where we traditionally like bankrupt our families by buying presents you know, that we can't afford to give to people that we really don't actually like. Okay, that's like the Christmas curse. Like we spend money we don't have to buy things we don't need to give to people that we really don't want to buy for, but we feel obligated to. That's why I love Thanksgiving, <laughs> because it doesn't bankrupt my family. But I also love it because I, I'm a foodie. I like food, particularly dessert. I'm a big fan of dessert. I'm a big fan of chocolate cake and mousse, chocolate mousse. Basically anything with chocolate, I'm a fan, right? And so Thanksgiving for me is an amazing weekend to get together as loved ones, as family, as friends, and just to take a moment and thank God for how much we have been blessed. Right? That's the purpose, right? We're giving thanks. We're, we're looking at this abundance of food. We're looking at our families. We're looking at our, the grandkids and the nieces and the nephews, and we're praising God, thanking him, coming to him in thanksgiving for what he has so blessed us with, right? Now, how many of you would like to be more blessed by God? And this is, this is not a trap, okay? I know even coming, if you've been coming for a while, you know, if I lift my hand, Pastor Kevin's going to throw this back at me and trap me. No, how, like, honestly, how many of you would like to be more blessed? Surely ants, right? Like everyone. I've never met somebody who says, no, nah, I'm good, you don't have to bless me anymore. I'm fine. Right? We can always use more blessing. So I want you to think for a moment. If you raised your hand that you would like God to bless you more, I want you to imagine this. On this Thanksgiving weekend where we praise God and thank him for how he's blessed us, you go to bed tonight. And you wake up tomorrow. And God has blessed you. While you were asleep, how would you know he did it? Whoa, that's a little heavy for a weekend where I ate way too much food last night. Okay? How would you know he did it? Would it be because um, your house is perfectly clean and filled with new furniture that isn't broken? Would it be because your children actually cleaned their room and put away their laundry? Would it be because there'd be a big pile of cash on the dinner table when you woke up? Would it be because there would be a new car in the driveway? Would it be because you have received something? I'm pretty sure all of us, when we think of being more blessed by God, we actually think about what we will get. What if you woke up tomorrow and there was a stranger living in that spare bedroom of yours? What if you woke up tomorrow and your car was gone because it had been donated to a missionary who's in town and needed a car and there's a shiny new bus pass on your dining room table? What if you got up and made your coffee and looked at your calendar and three nights of the week were booked 
so that you could pour into the lives of non-Christians. What if God took something away? Would you think you were blessed? The reason why a series like this is so incredibly important is because if you and I are not careful as followers of Jesus in this culture that we live in, you and I will think being blessed means what we get. That is the culture we live in today. It is all about what I get, what I get, what I get, and what I get. The problem is Jesus never said that. Jesus in Acts chapter 20 verse 35 said these words, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It is more blessed to give than to receive. But you and I, we're guilty of this. We think of blessing of what we get. What I get, what I get. God pours out his blessings so that I can get. The words of Jesus are, you are more blessed, not by what you get, by what you give. And when Jesus uses the word blessed, this word means to receive. To be blessed means to receive God's favor. And you are more blessed when you give. And so this is like, and this we see this again and again and again. We have a Christian subculture in North America that is constantly telling Christians that you need to be more blessed. You need to be more blessed. In other words, you need to get this and you need to get that and you need, and you are going to have this because of your faith. The problem of that is again, we don't see that line up with the life of the apostles. Tell me that they looked like a North American blessed life. They were killed for their faith. They were in prison. They were beaten. They were battered. They were arrested everywhere that they go. By our North American standard, they were not blessed in any way whatsoever who would like to sign up and be an apostle no thank you but peter said this in first peter chapter 3 he said but even if you should suffer for what is right you are blessed so that's why we're going to spend the next four weeks talking about the blessed life And for the next four weeks, we're going to be talking about two main things. We're going to be talking about time, and we're going to be talking about money. And if you're a guest with us today, I am a pastor who talks about money. I'm a pastor who talks about sex. I'm a pastor who talks about sin. I'm a pastor who talks about hell. And I'm a pastor who talks about money. Why? Not because I'm comfortable talking about those things. I talk about them because Jesus did. And they're in the Bible. And we will be a church that unapologetically shares what's in the Bible. So if you're uncomfortable, if you think pastors only talk about money in the church because they're trying to get my money, that's why the offering went by first. And if you're here today as a guest, or even if you're here today as a regular, if you think I'm trying to manipulate you, don't give. Don't give. If you think... The purpose of a pastor talking from the Bible about money is to manipulate you. Don't give. But we're going to spend the next four weeks talking about this topic, looking at our hearts, my heart, your heart. 
And what does the Bible say about this? Because if you and I want to be more blessed, the blessed life starts with a heart of generosity. And that's the big idea for this morning's message. The blessed life starts from a heart of generosity. Because Jesus said it's more blessed to give than to receive. If you want to be more blessed in your life, it starts by having a heart of generosity. And again, this culture that we live in is incredibly selfish. So this is an important thing to look at. We cannot allow culture to dictate our view of what the Bible teaches. Too many of us do that. We let, well, this is what culture says, so I'm going to try to fit culture into this biblical text. We as followers of Jesus, we need to take the Bible, the perfect, inerrant word of God, and let this dictate, oh, snap. How am I now going to deal with this culture that I live in? And let this change culture instead of letting culture change this, right? So if you have a Bible with you today, I'm going to start. We're going to be jumping all over the place in the Old Testament and the New Testament today. But the key text that I'm going to start in can be found in 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 9. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, uh, verse 6 is where I'm going to start. If you have the church app, you can uh, follow along in the church app. There's a big button there that says sermon outline. You can click that. And you'll also see in the church app back this week, there's another big button in there that says study questions. Study them. Look at them. Whether you're in a life group that's going through the topic of the sermon, hopefully you'll take some notes down and you'll talk about these topics in your life group this week. If you're not in a life group, there's another button that says join a life group. Click that button. But if you, you know, these would be great. even if your group isn't studying the topic that we do on Sunday, we make those questions available to everyone so that you don't just take Sunday's message and just forget about it. It's get deeper into it. Get deeper into it. Study it. Meditate on it. Look at it yourself so that we make those available for you there in the church app. So 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse 6. This is what the Apostle Paul writes to the church. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Now I'm just going to stop here for one quick second because, like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, my, my grandmother has a sewing machine. And my grandmother used to do a lot of sewing. And so it's kind of cool. Like, we're kind of in this modern Canadian culture. And so he's talking to farmers and using farming, farming language. So let's just make sure we understand what Paul is talking about here when he's talking about sowing and reaping. He's talking farming language. He's talking about the farmer who's out in a field with a big bag of seeds at his side. And he starts off by saying, whoever sows sparingly will reap sparingly. Basically what he's saying, if you are cheaping out, you've got this big bag of seeds that cost you money. The seeds, you have to buy the seeds. You have to make an investment as a farmer before you ever get any crops, before you make a nickel. You have to actually spend money. So you buy this big bag of seed and you cheap out because those bag of seeds were expensive and you just kind of drop it. And you maybe, maybe you even count them. Like you pull out one seed. One. And you pull out another seed. Two. And you pull out another seed. Three. Okay. I planted three seeds in four hours, right? Just very cheap. And Paul's saying here, if you do that, nothing's going to grow. 
You're going to reap. Reap is then taking in the fruit of your labor. It's taking in what has been produced, and now you can sell this back. So if you're cheap in throwing out the seed, there's not going to be any return. And then he continues, and he says this, um, but whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Whoever takes a handful of those seeds and throws them into the ground, throw it, throw it, throw it, throw it everywhere you go. Then there's going to be a crop. Then there's going to be all of this food that you can harvest back in. Right? It's a great visual for the heart of generosity. And he goes on to continue, and he talks about generosity, starting in verse 7. He says, Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. I'm going to skip down to verse 11, where it says, You will be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on every occasion. Do you hear that? You will be enriched in every way, so I can just have the blessed life, so I can have a comfortable life, so I can buy what I want when I want and live the way I want. No. You will be enriched in every way, so that you can be generous on occasions when it's convenient and practical for you. No. So that you can be generous on every occasion. Every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in you getting more money. No. It will result in thanksgiving to God. The key to the blessed life is a heart of generosity. Because that's the heart of God. From the beginning of your Bible to the end of the Bible, God is a God of incredible generosity. I once heard um, a preacher say this, that God created mankind because he was lonely. And I used to say that years ago. And I don't say that anymore because then that puts like a fault and a failure on God and that God is incomplete. And that's not true. God didn't even need us. God was not lonely. God didn't need, God didn't have a hole in his heart that only you can fill. God was complete and total in of himself. And out of his generosity, he creates everything. We think about food, for example. Think about food. Look at the kinds of food we can eat. Think of the food that you prepare this Thanksgiving weekend. There's an abundance of different kinds of foods and different kinds of flavors. This one's a little sweet. This one's a little bitter. This one's a little sour. All these different foods. This is hot and spicy. All these great foods. Do we actually need that to survive? No. If God wanted to, he could have just created tofu. And we'd have tofu turkey for Thanksgiving, and we'd have 
tofu stuffing and tofu cranberries. All we need is tofu because food is just about sustenance. It's about keeping our bodies alive. But God in his generosity gives this huge abundance of variety because he loves and he blesses through his generosity. Even the fact that you are a Christian is because of the generosity of God. It's not because you were religious. It's not because you were a good boy or a good girl or because you kept all of these rules or you put enough money in the offering basket or you volunteered in kids' ministry and now God looks down and says, oh, she's really nice. She's obeying all my rules. She's allowed to be a Christian now. No. You're a follower of Jesus because God in his generosity chose to save you. (laughs) That he would send Jesus to die to pay for your sins. And that there's nothing that you could have done to earn that salvation. There's nothing you could do to lose that salvation. It's the complete, generous gift of God. God is a generous God. And he calls his children to be generous. To reflect them. To reflect his image. Right? And I love how Paul talks about this. Because money... Money's a sensitive topic, and, and I get it. And, and sometimes there's difficulties in life, there's trials in life, there's hardship in life, and so I get it. It's difficult. And it's easy for us to ignore a topic because it's difficult to talk about. But I love how Paul gets into this topic of generosity. He starts right away. Each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. Right? A heart of generosity cannot start from guilt. A heart of generosity cannot start from religious tradition or religious obligation. Because if you're simply generous out of guilt, if you're generous out of tradition, if you're uh, giving, if you're generous out of, well, this is what Kevin said I have to do, so I better start doing it, don't do it. Because a heart of generosity starts with what God is doing in your heart. Not out of guilt, not out of tradition. Because God loves a cheerful giver. But before our hearts can be transformed, I heard a great thing. On Sunday mornings, I get up and I hit my alarm clock. It goes off at 6.30. I crawl out of bed about 10 to 8. And I hit the snooze, and I hit the snooze, and I hit the snooze. And there was a great kind of preaching thing going on. I don't know who was saying it because I wasn't really awake, but I caught one little bit. And the preacher was saying, if you want to know where you want to go, you have to know where you are right now. Like if you called me up and said, hey, Kev, um, I'm on my way to your house, but I'm lost. Can you tell me how to get to your place? Well, the first thing that I need to know is um, what do I need to know? No, I need to know if you have cake (laughs) before I let you into my house. No, and then the second thing I need to know is, yeah, where you are. That was that preacher's joke. I thought that was hilarious this morning. I stole that. I don't know who it's from. I was asleep, okay? But I need to know where you are. I need to know where you are so I can tell you where to go. And that's what I want us to do today for our time together. If God is calling us to have a generous heart as his children, we need to know where our heart is currently. 
And there's lots of great scriptures that will help us do this. And in order to kind of unpack these scriptures, I'm going to use uh, some teaching that comes from a guy named uh, Jensen Franklin. He has an amazing blog on, on generosity and giving. It's an amazing resource. If you want to write his name now, Jensen, it's G-E-N-T-E-Z-E-N, Franklin. I don't know if he's related to that family or not. No, that's Franklin Graham. Never mind. Not related. First name, last names don't relate. Okay. But great resources on giving. And he talks about different mindsets and looks at the Bible to help us see where we are currently in our hearts to help us know where we need to go biblically as followers of Jesus. Okay. So the first mindset that he talks about, and encourage you to write these three mindsets down and talk about them in your group, is the first mindset is this, is some of us as followers of Jesus in our world today have what's called a bag mindset. A bag mindset. And the bag mindset is the idea in our hearts that I never have enough. I don't have enough time, Pastor Kevin, I know when you put up the three little circles and you say, this is what's going to help me grow spiritually. I don't have time to serve. I don't have time to volunteer. Do you have any idea how busy my life is, Pastor Kevin? There's never enough time. Or, okay, I get it. The Bible's calling me to to have a generous heart and to give generously and, and to give it cheerfully. But, Pastor Kevin, there's not enough money. Like, I'm paying my bills. I'm meeting all my obligations. And, and there's just not enough. Like the bag mindset is that you and I never have enough. And that comes from Haggai chapter 1 verse 6. This is what it says there in the New King James Version. It says you eat, but you don't have enough. You drink, but you're not filled with drink. You clothe yourself, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages earns wages to put them into a bag with holes. How many of you feel like your paycheck is going into a bag with holes in it? It's okay if you raise your hand on that, okay? Because it's like, where did the money go? I got paid, and I go to the bank, and the bank says minus 56. (laughs) And I got paid two days ago. (laughs) It feels like in our lives that our time and our money is being put into a bag with holes in it that we don't have enough. And sadly, that's where our culture is today. Not enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. And sadly, it's where so many Christians are living their lives today. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. Right? When I talk to people, and, I, and, you know, and we do this, right, the Sunday morning thing, when we go, hey, how you doing? Years ago, the number one question that I, people would, would answer when I would say, hey, how you doing? The number one question years ago was, fine, how are you? That was the answer a few years ago. Now, most of the time when I ask people, hey, how you doing? You know what the number one answer is? I'm busy. I'm busy. Hey, it's so great to have you here at church today. How you doing? Busy. I hope the sermon's light and fluffy today because I'm busy. <laughs> Surprise, it's not. The Bible very rarely is light and fluffy. <laughs> okay? I'm busy. When I talk to people about finances, 
How you doing? Number one answer, things are tight. Really tight. Culture has shown us that it's normal to be busy and tight. The Bible doesn't teach that. A bag mindset. The bag mindset is that there is never enough. And you know what? For 30 years of my life, I lived with a bag mindset. 30 years I lived thinking there was never enough. And I even had hobbies and interests that intentionally fed into that mindset. I'm a collector. That's a hobby of mine. I like to collect things. I like to buy my little Star Wars figures. And if you would have come to my home before I turned it into an exercise room when it still used to be a geek room, I had hundreds, and I'm not exaggerating, hundreds of these little Star Wars bonums all on these shelves, all, and they were a murder to dust. Okay, so I didn't bother. Okay, I just left it dusty for seven years, but hundreds. But you know what the thing is with being a collector as a hobby? As soon as you buy one, there's seven more that you don't have. All oh, right, I just bought the limited edition Luke Skywalker. Oh, man, they also have Luke Skywalker in Jedi robe. Oh, they also have Luke Skywalker in the black outfit with the robe off. Oh, they also have Luke Skywalker with the metal hand and not the glove. Oh, they also got X-Wing pilot Luke Skywalker, and they got farm boy Luke Skywalker, and they got Tauntaun riding Han- uh, Luke Skywalker. That's just one guy! <laughs> and you got to do that for Han Solo, and for Princess Leia, and for Chewbacca, and for R2-D2, and all the rest of these geeky things. I'm sorry if you're a guest with us today. I am that big of a geek. Okay? I really am, and I'm okay with it. Right? But, so you're feeding... Or comic books! Oh, I buy one comic book for four ninety nine. It's 12 pages! And nothing happens! And the story takes 72 issues to tell one story at $4.99 an issue. There's never enough. (laughs) Gotta buy it, 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 gotta buy it. The bag mindset. (laughs) We can see in the New Testament that there's actually another man in the New Testament who had a bag mindset. And his name was Judas. (laughs) If you're not familiar with the Bible, Judas is the guy who handled the money. When Jesus found his 12 disciples to go around with him, the 12 men that he was investing in and pouring into them so that they would continue his mission once he he was gone, Judas was the guy who handled the bag. He handled the money. And there was this one time where Jesus was in this house and this woman came with with a bottle of perfume and in a spiritual act of worship poured this perfume on Jesus and worshiped him. And Judas freaked out. Because do you have any idea how expensive that was? You used that perfume for worship? Are you crazy? We could have taken that money and sold it and given the money to the poor. Now, the reason Judas is actually freaking out, he didn't care about the poor. He was caring about himself because there wasn't enough. He's keeping the money. The bag mindset actually led Judas to stand before Roman soldiers and Roman officials and Jewish priests and betray his Lord and Savior for a bag of money. The bag mindset can be so true in the heart of so many Christians when we truly believe there's not enough. I can't be generous with my time. There's not enough time. I can't be generous with my money. There's not enough money. The bag 
mindset. And the key to living a blessed life is heart of generosity. So like I had to do, I had to figure out how to get out of the bag mindset. And maybe some of you today need to figure out how do I get out of a bag mindset of thinking that I don't have enough. And that's the purpose of our four weeks in this series. And again, there's always excuses to have a bag mindset. I know there is. But pastor, you don't know. You don't know what my, my year was like. Pastor, you don't know. Trust me, I know. In the last three, in the last four years, my basement has flooded twice. And both times the insurance company says, oh, we don't cover that. And I'm like, so why am I giving you $200 a month to cover something that you don't cover? Well, we only cover water damage if it's this kind of damage. Are you saying it's that kind of damage? Or are you asking me to lie to you? Yes. Crap. Um, I can't lie to you. Twice my basement is flooded. Twice and twice, twice in seven years, transmissions have blown. You know what it costs to replace a tranny? Thousands of dollars. My tranny blew on the first day of my Christmas vacation four years ago. My two kids and my dog in the back of my Ford Focus. Do the math. Two teenagers and a dog. If you know cars, Ford Focus is a little car. And the tranny blew up. Christmas week. I know. And you know why I know? Because the spiritual enemy doesn't want you to be generous. He doesn't. And he will hit you, and he will hit you, and he will hit you, and he will hit you constantly to ensure you don't become generous. Because look what Paul says. What happens when we become generous? Right? That we can be a blessing everywhere that we go. And why are we a blessing everywhere that we go? So that people will give thanksgiving to God. So if Satan can keep you from being generous, it keeps people away from God, according to this verse. So why are we shocked that stuff breaks down? It's the way Satan has perfectly designed things to ensure we as Christians stay in a bag mindset. So we've got to trust the Spirit of God to help us move. And Jensen Franklin calls the next mindset where we trust the Spirit of God to break us out of the bag mindset and move us into the next one. And the next one he calls it the basket mindset. And the basket mindset is the idea that we have more than enough. That we have more than enough. Right? This is the mindset that starts when we actually truly believe that God is an abundant God. And he has truly given us abundantly more than we need. Right? We can read about this in De- Deuteronomy chapter 28. Right? The fruit of your womb will be blessed. And your crops, the crops of your land and the young of your livestock. Your basket and your kneading trowel will be blessed. You will be blessed when you come in and when you go out. And this idea that he's talking about here is not to be blessed again so that we can hoard it, but we're blessed so that we can go out and bless the other people around us. Bless the foreigner, bless the stranger, bless the alien. Point people to a loving and abundant God. Right? God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others. Right? Jesus teaches the exact same thing. 
he teaches this. He says, give, and it'll be given to you. A good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be poured into your laps. For with this measure that you use, it'll be measured back to you. Again, Jesus is using farm language again here. And what he's saying is there's two types of people working in the field. There's the paid worker who's doing their job. So the paid worker takes their basket, and they go out into the field, and they fill it. Now, the basket starts to get heavy when you fill it. And I get the same amount of money when I work all day, regardless of how well I actually do my job. Right? How many of us, we get paid the same thing whether you did a good job today or not? How many of us, if we spent all day on Facebook, we got the exact same money whether we did nothing? Right? Or if we worked our butts off? Right? Pretty much every one of us. Right? So we fill this basket, and we don't really fill it because it's too much work to fill it. So we take the basket back to the master, we dump it, and then we go back, and we kind of fill it. And then Jesus says there's another type of person. Because the master of the field has given permission to poor people to go out into the field when the workers are done and help themselves. Because God is that kind of God. He's a blessed, he's a, a God of blessing. He's pouring out to those who don't have. Right? So he's using the rich field owner to bless the poor. Go and take your basket and after we're done working, come and help yourself. You know what those poor people are doing? They're filling that basket to the brim. Right? They're, they're jumping on the basket. Like they're putting, you know, grain in it, and they're jumping on it, and they're squeezing it down, and they're shaking all the air bubbles out of it. They're going to fill that basket to the brim because God has given more than enough. God has given more than enough that he can feed the farmer. The farmer can use what he's used to feed his family and the town and the village and still have abundantly more to feed the poor because of the generosity of the farmer the heart of God, a basket mindset. The basket mindset comes from knowing that God is truly using his church to be a blessing around the world. Think of church history for a moment. Um, The church was the organization, was the group of people who went out into all the world and created orphanages and hospitals and homeless shelters and street ministry to feed the poor, and to reach out to the marginalized, to reach out to the people who are hurting and broken. That stuff was all created by the church. Now it's kind of run by government. But in church history, that was our job. Because God called us to be a blessing to the nations. I have a friend of mine who lives in Montreal, And he was a well-to-do, very successful businessman, making lots of money. And God put this kind of basket mindset on his heart, and he sold everything. And now he runs an orphanage, an orphan play, an orphanage, orphanage, thank you, runs an orphanage in Cambodia. That sounds like a happy, lovely place to live. Okay? And he's running this, and I've never seen someone so happy. Because he's living out of this overflow of God's blessing, a basket mindset. We can see in the New Testament, there's actually someone who has a basket mindset, and we'd never even know his name. It's this young boy who's sitting under the teachings of Jesus. And Jesus is teaching, there's this huge crowd of thousands of people. And the disciples come to Jesus and say, you know what, everyone's getting hungry now. You need to send the people away because they need food. 
And Jesus says, you feed them. I don't have enough. I don't have enough. We don't have enough. And there's one boy who kind of comes up and says, well, I got these fish and I got these loaves. And Jesus takes those and puts them into a basket. And what does he do? He multiplies it. And he multiplies it. And he multiplies it. Not so that the little boy who gave it can get more. Oh, the prosperity thing drives me mental. The little boy just got his fair share. And he was a blessing to 5,000 men and their wives and women and the children. It could have been 10, 15, 20,000 people were blessed by the mindset of a little boy whose name we don't even know. There's no fame and no fortune in a, bag, in, a, in a basket mindset because it's a heart of generosity. The blessed life starts with a heart of generosity. And then the final mindset that Franklin talks about is where I pray that I end up in my life. This is my goal. This is my personal objective when it comes to living a life of generosity is I want to have what he calls the barn mindset. And the barn mindset is knowing that I have infinitely more. I have infinitely more than enough. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 8 says, The Lord will send a blessing on your barns and everything you put your hand to. God is a God who provides infinitely more. Infinitely more. How can a young boy with a couple of fish and loaves feed tens of thousands of people? That's infinitely more. How can God use the church to graze hospitals and orphanages and care centers and all of these things around the world? That is through the generosity of the church with their time and their money. Infinitely more. I think we as the church, we've accepted that we've lost the culture war. So we've gotten lazy in our time and our money. We're fine to let government do it and argue about it. We've gotten a little lazy. We've let culture dictate how we should be blessed. But we are called to do so much, infinitely more. And we didn't lose the culture war. Jesus won. Jesus won. When Jesus said that I will build my church and the gates of hell will not overcome it. You know what a gate is? A gate is offensive. We're not on the attack. We're not being beaten down. We're beating down the gate of hell. That's the call of the church. We are beating down the gates of hell. When I talk to non-Christians and they go, Kevin, what do you do for a living? I hate that question because it gets weird afterwards. Right? It's like I say, well, I'm a pastor. And it either gets really weird or gets ultra spiritual. And that's just weird. Like, why, why do you talk to me that way? Like, we're just people. Can we just talk like people? Like, oh, well, praise the Lord, Pastor. Stop talking to me like that. Like, it's weird, right? So I tell this non-Christian, what do you do for a living? He asks me what I do for a living. I say, I'm in real estate. I say, what? I'm in real estate. Oh, you sell houses? No, I'm depopulating hell. <laughs> and that conversation got a little weird. I admit it. That one, I was poking. I was in a weird mood that day, okay? That's what we're doing infinitely more, <laughs> infinitely more, right? And so how do we do this? How do we start allowing God to work on our hearts when it comes to our time and our money? 
I'm going to just share one application quickly. And again, we're going to unpack this a lot more over the next four weeks. But for me, in my spiritual journey, how did God move me from a bag mindset to a basket mindset? It was the tithe. It was the tithe. Are we, as modern-day Christians, post-resurrection, required by the law of God to tithe? And if you don't know what the tithe means, it's giving God your first 10%. Your first 10% of your money and the first 10% of your life. It's both. Okay? Giving God your first fruit. Are we required post-resurrection, post-fulfillment of Jesus fulfilling the law? Are we required to please God? No. No. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Let me say that one more time. Jesus is the fulfillment of the law. Should every Christian tithe? Absolutely. Oh, pastor, that's too heavy today. Why? Because it breaks us from the mindset. I tithe. When my basement flooded... I tithed. When Danielle lost her job, I tithed. When I was paying bills on my line of credit while we were waiting for Danielle to find another job, I tithed. And guess what? God didn't make me rich. He didn't send me more money. But you know what he did? He freed me from the addiction of money and things and possessions. And he's brought me into a deeper walk with him because he is more than enough. I want more of God. I want to move to a barn mindset. Our family is on a trajectory to start living 20%, 30%. I dream of the day where I can live off of 30% of my earning and give 70% away. That's my dream. That's my dream because God has given infinitely more. And again, again, whoa, 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 pastor, (laughs) you don't know how tight it is. Well, I'm not saying this to make you feel guilty because God doesn't want you to give reluctantly or under compulsion. But what is God putting on your heart? (laughs) To break you from the bag mindset in your time. I can't volunteer. I don't have time. Can you find an hour? Did you see the number of kids that went out again earlier today? Last week, I was this close. I make this decision. I was this close to saying, I'm shutting kids zone down. Because there's not enough people helping. I'm going to make that call one Sunday. And you as parents, I'm going to, you're going to hate me when I make that decision. Well, we've got three staff people who are feeling all the pain. I'd like you to feel some of the pain too. <laughs> because you won't change till you feel the pain. We need hour an hour to be a blessing to these kids and teach them about jesus it won't kill you you know if you're not a tither one percent it's your coffee it won't kill you but it's taking those steps god do a work as i trust you God, do a work as I trust you. God, help me have a generous heart. Because the key to a blessed life is a heart of generosity. Let's pray together. Lord, you have called us as your children to be generous.
And when we live a life of generosity with our time and our money, it is not so that we get back. It is so that the world would know about you. Jesus said, whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be dishonest with very much. Lord, I pray for us as a church, if we have been selfish with our time and our money, forgive us for that. Forgive me for that. And God, help us to truly know where our riches lie. They don't lie in our possessions. They don't lie in what we have, but they lie in the relationship that we have with you. And Lord, we want to be the kind of church that will look at the hard stuff in the Bible and that will spur one another on um, in love and in mercy and with compassion. But we will be the church that spurs one another on to become more like Jesus in whatever that looks like. So, Father, I pray for those of us here and those who might be watching online who have a bag mindset. And I pray that today, Lord, you would begin to free them from that. I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to their heart lovingly. See, the Holy Spirit, he's not a bully. He's a gentleman. And he will speak gently to your heart to guide you where you need to go. Not under guilt and compulsion, but out of love for Jesus. And Father, I pray for those who have got that basket mindset, and I pray that that basket mindset would continue to be a great blessing in their families, in their workplace, and in their communities. And Lord, and I pray for some of us that we would truly step into that barn mindset, that you would do exceedingly more than we could ask or imagine through your blessing that is poured out on our lives. And so, Holy Spirit, as we continue to worship, I pray that you would speak to every one of us. Help each of us to know what our next step should be, to take that step of obedience and walking with you, to be freed from the bag mindset. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.